What's up, guys? This is PC, and this is your backstage pass to the Green Room Podcast Series. What's up, guys? This is PC. You're listening to the Green Room Podcast Series. Our guest today, I'm super excited to have the principal of Smyrna High School, Dr. Sherry Sutherland. Sherry, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you, Dr. Campbell? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show here this morning. I actually taught at Smyrna High School for a year. It seems like forever ago now. And so you were an assistant principal then. And so it's cool now to see your journey and for us to be able to connect again years later down the road with you now as the principal of Smyrna High School. Absolutely. You just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's the exact truth. That's the exact truth. And so share a little bit about your history, your experience in education, and what led you to this point where you are today now as the principal. Yes. Um, so this is my 21st year in education. I started out teaching middle school in Nashville, just down the road. I was there for three years. I tell everybody I think it was probably the best three years I could have had as an early educator because I learned so much in those three years. Then I moved on to a rural high school just south of Smyrna in Coffee County for about four years. And um, I was an English teacher and a soccer coach. And then that is what brought me to Smyrna High 14 years ago. I came here to be the girls soccer coach and taught English. I was fortunate enough that um, during that time, Smyrna had grown so much that the administration was given an extra assistant principal uh, position. And so at that time, Mr. Rakes, um, you know, the godfather of Smyrna High, he uh, was able to um, give me that position and offered it to me. And so, you know, here we are now, um, all these years later, I've been at Smyrna for 14 years now, and, and um, this is my second year as the principal, and uh, I'm excited about it. It's, it's been an amazing journey, as you say. That's very cool. Very cool. And when you were down at Coffee County, were you down there with John Bush? <laughs> yes. John and I were both teachers at that time. Neither one of us were administrators. Very cool. Oh, that's awesome. So he was, and he still is, one of my good friends. Um, I met him through Renaissance because once he became the principal down there, of course, he got that rocking and rolling there. And that's how I was introduced to it. So, yeah, you said Coffee County, small world. Again, like you just never know. Yeah. Speaking of Renaissance, I'm excited. I'm actually meeting with Jostens this week. Um, so hopefully we'll come into the fold this year. Very cool. Oh, that's exciting. That's super exciting. And so I want to follow up on that first question. And I work with young people a lot. And a lot of the questions that they'll ask me all revolve around, how do you know what you want to be when you grow up? And so for you personally, when and how did you know that you wanted to be an educator? For me personally, there, there was never anything else. Um, you know, I've always wanted to be an educator. Uh, my grandmother has pictures of me when I was probably five years old, sitting in her um, back screened in area with all of my little stuffed animals lined up in a row reading to them. Um, my grandfather was actually a principal for 30 years at a very small K-6 school. So he served as a teacher in the morning and then in the afternoon, he was the principal. Um, the funny thing about that is uh, he has written me notes over the years and before he passed away and I have a note he sent me and I have it framed with a picture of he and I, and it is with um, his actual 
diploma from the 1950s when he received his master's degree in administration and it says you always want you to remember your pap never wanted you to go into this so it's just you know it's just always it's just always been there i can honestly not say i've ever really wanted to do anything else that's very cool very cool and so let's talk about now you're in your second full year as the principal at smyrna high school and one of my good friends talks about in coaching with basketball from being an assistant coach to being a head coach and he talks about the six inches between those chairs. And when you make that six inch move over to that head coaching chair, like the difference that it makes, right? And so talk a little bit about the challenges that come with taking over a school and your personal strategies that you've utilized for implementing change. Sure, um, and I'm with him, but I would probably go as far as to say it might be six feet. Um, <laughs> right, right. You think, really, you know, hey, I've, I've been in this, you know, assistant principal's job for a while. I think I have a pretty good grasp on what's going on. And then you do, you make that switch, you know, into that head office. And it is a big change. Um, you really do not realize just how many responsibilities there are um, when you get put in that chair. Um, but I will say, fortunately, you know, I was already pretty aware of the challenges and the positives at Smyrna High. When I received this position, uh, since I've been a part of the school for so many years, um, so I could play off the positives that were already here and in place. Sure. And um, but that also allowed me to quickly try to fix some of the challenges that did exist. And one area that uh, we as administration quickly wanted to remedy was what we felt was a relationship gap that existed. And um, our staff seemed to be pretty departmentalized. You know, there was a little bit more gossip and probably negative talk uh, seemed to be a little bit more prevalent than the positive. Yep. And so our goal right away as administration was just to quickly implement ways of building relationships between ourselves, the staff, and the students. And, um, you know, one simple way of building those relationships was just to be conscious of our words and what we say. And, you know, we started talking to the staff about the simplicity of your words um, seem like they don't mean a lot, but it's huge. And when we continue saying things like we can't wait till Friday or only, you know, excited for the break, um, the first thing we did was just we had to change our vocabulary to show people that, you know, we want to be here. We want to be in this school and that um, it's not just a job. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I love that the relationship aspect, and we'll dive more into that here in just a little bit. Right now, I want to talk about one of the biggest changes that you implemented there, and this just totally fascinates me, um, which is leveling throughout the majority of your courses. And you actually wrote your dissertation revolving around classroom leveling. Talk about what leveling is for listeners that maybe don't know what that is, and then why you decided to implement that at Smyrna High School. So um, this process began, I guess, about three years ago here at Smyrna um, when we started to take classes that were leveled um, by basically ability for our core academic classes. And um, we started to take those levels out. I had a young lady come to my office um, and she said, hey, you know, Ms. Sutherland, I need to talk to you about something. And this was a, a young lady that I had a really good relationship with. And I said, absolutely. You know, what, what do you need to talk to me about? And she said, I want you to put me in honors classes. And this young lady was someone who had all 
always, you know, struggled with school, struggled with academics. Um, her prediction on her ACT was that she would get a 15. And, um, you know, I just kept asking her, why do you want to do this? Do you understand what you're asking for? And she said a statement to me that will probably live with me um, the rest of my life. Uh, she said, I am not learning in my classes what my friends are learning in theirs. And she was in what we called standard or standard inclusion classes. And her friends were in what we labeled as honors classes. And at that moment, it struck me that as a school and as an institution that was supposed to be here to better students, we had actually institutionally placed them into positions that were not giving them the ability to be the best that they could be. Yeah. And so that's when we started this process of removing those levels. So the first thing that we did was that we um, started with our English classes and the only classes that we have based on ability now are our advanced honors or AP classes because statistics um, show that your top kids have to be pushed. So our top 15% um, is still put into a class, you know, basically of their own um, where they're just held to a very, very high standard so that they will not digress in any way. But then the rest of our kids, um, the scheduling system, you know, with our computers, it, they fall where they fall. So we no longer have these classes that tell kids, you know, you're at the lowest level or you're at the second tier or you're sure. at the third tier. Um, they're all the same. It's so cool. And we talked briefly about this when I was at Smyrna there in the spring, you know, with my son's school and he's in elementary school and it started for him in the first grade and they're divided by ability groups. And those kids know that, right? And then they're treated mm -hmm. themselves, they're treated a certain way, and they treat each other a certain way and the expectations that come along with that. And so I just think that this is awesome. What have been, like, what was the biggest challenge that you faced, maybe from the teacher perspective in terms of implementing this on your campus? The positive out of this is that um, I was in charge of the English department for a long time at Smyrna High School. So those teachers knew that everything I do is geared towards the betterment of the kids and the betterment of the school. Sure. So I'm saying that because I was fortunate enough to start this with a group of people that knew me well, um, that believed in me. And I think that you have to have that. You have to have the faith of people um, when you implement something huge like this. Yeah. So the first year we only unleveled our English classes. Um, and then last year we unleveled all of our classes. Um, but what's interesting is when I would talk to teachers, I would say, you do understand that our classes like CTE, fine arts, PE, they've always been unleveled. Yep. It was just the core academic classes where we had started institutionalizing this process of putting kids, you know, based on their ability or what I call perceived ability, because we were telling them what their ability level was. Yeah. Um, so we moved from the your kids mentality to our kids mentality love it and the more of the we're all in this together um so now when we meet in like our plc groups there's much more constructive talk about common assessments and how to get kids to understand standards before you would have teachers say well not everyone in here teaches the same kids yeah or um, their students do better because of the uh, ability that they have or the grouping that they're in well, outside of those 
top classes that we have now, which is really a small minority compared to the rest of the school. All these teachers in those PLCs and those common planning times, they all have the same kids now. Yeah. So we also went to um, all of the teachers now have an inclusion class. So instead of one teacher having, you know, five inclusion classes all day. Yes. You have all teachers with an inclusion class and we cap those at six special ed students. So you, you see people across, you know, the country or the state and education where they'll put these special ed kids into what they consider the least restrictive environment. But if you truly look at the places that they're putting them level wise or who they're with student wise, it's not. Yep. So we wanted to make sure that we were giving them that ability and that chance um, to be in the least restrictive environment. So those are some of the other things that we've done with that unleveling. It's so awesome. And you're, you know, you're leveling the playing field for the kids, but for the teachers as well, uh, because in so many schools, Correct. it's a seniority thing, right? And the longer I've been here, then I get to pick and choose the yep. classes that I teach. And, you know, we all know where that goes. So you're entering school year two, where you've done it school-wide with this leveling thing. And with anything, you're always tweaking and making adjustments. What are some of the things that you've looked at and you're like, okay, we're going to change this just a little bit to make it even more effective for this school year? Sure. Um, honestly, to make it more effective is what type of professional development we're offering for yeah. our staff and our teachers. And so bringing in people who truly show them the positive parts of differentiation that's made all the difference in the world and that's one thing that we're really pushing this year too and that will center all of our pd around is how do you reach all of these students at different levels you know while in the same classroom yeah but what we're finding is all of a sudden where only our upper level classes in the past you would hear lots of discussion and lots of student talk it has really trickled down now to all of our classes so because cool. you have all this wide range of not just knowledge, but family backgrounds yeah. and all these different cultures coming together in these classrooms. And there's all of this discussion starting to happen that we haven't seen in the past. So cool. Yeah. The different perspectives, because we all have a story, right? And now we all have the opportunity to share and just to help, you know, all those different backgrounds to come together in that one room. Just a powerful, powerful thing. And so you're implementing a large scale change like this, such as leveling. You're going to get pushback from some of your teachers. Stereotypically, I'm going to say more your veteran type teachers, right? And a lot of administrators struggle with that. What advice do you give to administrators with regard to when you're implementing a change of this degree? How do you handle those teachers that get upset with the change you're trying to do? Um, I think that's a great question, and I think that's one of those things that you really have to concentrate on. Um, as an administrator, uh, you know, you must fully believe in a change or an initiative before implementing it. And I don't think a lot of times that an administrator will actually, you know, think about something completely inside and out before they implement it. Um, when we started implementing this process, we started with one department, you know, like I had said before, the English department. Yeah. And we had yeah. meetings about it and discussions. And I'm going to tell you the one thing that I will tell any administrator, new, veteran, whatever, open dialogue between staff and administration is imperative for successful school. Yeah. Um, you know, not everyone was fully on board with this idea, but they were willing to try it. 
Um, I have a teacher who told me that she didn't believe in it. She didn't think it would work, um, but she was willing to try because of my passion about it. And by the end of the first year, you know, she was a believer too. And the next year when we rolled it out to the entire staff, that department became integral in the concept of being this positive force about how well it worked and how positive it was for their department. So, you know, I've seen many administrations try to roll something out simply by saying, oh, because that's the way it's going to be. Yep. And, you know, that never works. It's just like parenting. You have to be able to explain to them what the benefit of it is. You know, there has to be buy-in and a desire for a new program or change. And that doesn't come from one person saying it's just going to happen. You have to lay this groundwork and you have to show the reasons behind the move. I love that. That's a perfect answer. Absolutely perfect answer. And you talked about the, the importance of your relationships, having been in the English department and having rolling it out that way with that personal belief, like absolutely spot on. I think that when we're talking about leadership, the, probably the biggest role to me is we have to put our people in a position to be successful. And that's the same, you know, I use that approach when I was coaching baseball as to working in administration, anything you do, we're trying to put people in a position to be successful. And so let's talk about instructional practices in your classrooms. What are some of the things that you and your admin team do to set your teachers up for success in the classroom? Um, sure. One of the positives that we have here in Rutherford County is that they have given all of the high schools um, an RTI coach. And we were diligent in who we chose for that position. And so we have a great RTI coach that works with our new teachers and teachers that may be struggling and need some extra help that are considered veteran teachers. Um, she is a huge asset, but I also think that picking the correct department chairs, ones that truly care about the department, they're yeah. great liaisons between staff and the administration is important. Um, you know, we also only call meetings with the staff when it's imperative. And, you know, everything's scheduled to give staff time to make plans. Yep. You know, all our faculty meetings, leadership meetings, PLC times are planned from the beginning of the year, as well as pep rallies and events that'll take time away from class. Um, also, what we were talking about earlier, you know, we provide quality professional development when needed, and we don't ever schedule something unless it has meaning. If you're just doing something to go through the motions, the staff's going to know it and they're not going to appreciate it. Yep. Yep. So true. So true. Taking, you know, cause time, like we're all selling time here. You know, we're all so right. busy with a million different things and yet yeah, yeah. there's nothing worse than when we have this entire staff meeting to address something that could have been, you know, handled on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Right. You know, it's just Correct. like, come on. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And so let's talk now about relationships. And you mentioned this a little bit earlier and the power of relationships to create positive culture on your campus. And you talked about being conscious of your words and the things that you say. What are some of the other things that you guys utilize to foster those relationships on your campus? Yeah, and you're right. Like everybody in this school would tell you if they went up to you, you know, you went up to them right now and you said, you know, you know, what's, what's Dr. Sutherland passionate about? And they're going to tell you, I mean, immediately they're going to say relationships. Um, you know, we work hard, but we play hard together as well. Um, you know, we plan a lot of motivational surprises for our staff, such as, you know, like a surprise cookie day, or we'll have the Kona ice truck come. We plan family nights at school where our teachers can come in and we might have the pool open with lifeguards, or we might do a movie night in the auditorium. Um, and we have some really friendly competitions. You know, the most important thing administrators can do for their school is to make it a place where teachers want to be. And I think it's interesting. We had to hire 19 teachers this year. And um, 
10 of the teachers we hired were either past Smyrna High teachers who came back or were SHS alumni. So cool. So yeah. cool. And you said something profound right there. We have to make it a place where teachers want to be. And it's so funny that you say that because I was just in Missouri and I was just working with a group of educators over there. And we talked about this exact thing. And I was sharing with them, there was an elementary school down in Mississippi that last week had their first day of school and every single staff member dressed up as a Disney character. <laughs> and I was just like, you talk about the wow factor, right? Can you imagine being a student? Like, I want to go to school there, right? You know, I'm a 40-year-old man. And so do you think that those kids were excited to come back to school the next day? Well, for sure they were, right? And so how do we do that for our teachers? And that's, that's exactly what you're talking about there. We have to make it a place where our teachers are excited to come to school. And obviously, that's something that you're creating there. If you've got teachers that are coming back again um, to have that atmosphere, have that environment and those family nights. Love that concept because so often the only times as educators we get to see each other is during our planning period, right? And maybe it's just passing right. in the hallway and, hey, how's it going? I'm doing great. How you doing? And, like, and that's it. But we don't get the time to really foster those relationships. So I absolutely love what you're doing there with that. That's super, super cool. And so along those same lines, talking about positive culture, you've done some awesome things on your campus to create this fun, energetic atmosphere. Talk about some of the things you've done and what ideas you have in store moving forward to maintain that momentum that you got going. Absolutely. We, um, like I said, this is the hundredth year of Smyrna High School. So last year um, we went and we actually rebranded our school so that the students had a Bulldog and a Power S that were their own. Um, we've always been the Bulldogs for a hundred years, but we never had a bulldog that was drawn specifically for Smyrna High School. So yep. we actually had a company come in and study our culture and our beliefs. And then they drew for us our own bulldog and our own power S. And it's amazing to see that transformation that's occurred here um, with the kids just buying into that and saying, you know, this is ours. This is, this is us. Um, we also, we started having bathrooms painted, um, positive remarks over the intercom. We have uh, new banners and trophy cases that have been added to the main hallway, and we celebrate achievements. Um, we open all our faculty meetings with a student performance now, so teachers can see how, you know, talented our students are. And they also want to come to the faculty meetings. They want to see that. Yeah. Um, you talked about the first day of school, and it's funny you talked about the elementary school because... They're the ones that actually gave me this next idea I'm going to talk to you about. My okay. son is also in elementary school, and I loved when we would come back from breaks and I would drop him off, and they would be out there playing music and dancing or just doing whatever to make that kid have a smile on their face. So I thought, let's flip the table. So this year, um, on the first day, the teachers came back to school. Of course, our kids still weren't here yet that I worked with some of our senior class representatives and we had about 70 students come and stand at the entrances to the school. Um, the cheerleaders were there with welcome back banners. The kids were handing out Gatorade to the teachers in their cars and thanking them for what they do. It's awesome. And you would not believe just that gesture that morning for a half an hour set such a different tone for our teachers coming back. Yep. It was unbelievable. Um, we also, you know, our football players and cheerleaders went to the last day of band camp this year. Um, they gave popsicles to our band and, you know, one of the football players got up on the microphone and told them how important they were to the team and the school on Friday night. 
there's just a lot of things that are so simple when you think about it that don't really even cost any money. Yep. It's all just about relationships and telling each other what you mean to each other. So true and so powerful. You know, it's a little, we all want to be appreciated. We all want to hear, you know, like that, that somebody notices the things that we're doing. And I just love that. Like you said, so many super cool things. And I actually just put my, I got a new guitar case. And so I've got my Bulldog family sticker on my guitar case. So I, yeah. I carry you guys with me everywhere, everywhere that I go now. So yeah, very, very cool. One of the cool things that you do as well at the beginning of the school year, you divide your staff into, I think it's four different teams for this year long <laughs> competition thing. Explain like, what is that all about? And some of the activities that go along with that. So, um, as you and I have both talked about, um, you know, having a coaching background, uh, competition is huge for yep. human nature in general. And what you find when you get onto a high school campus the size of this one and you have, you know, 150 staff members and 2,000 students um, is that they become very departmentalized or they only talk to the people that their classrooms are located around. Yep. So, and as well as our administrators are usually over certain departments. So they become familiar with the teachers in those departments, but not so much the other ones. So what I decided was that at the beginning of the year, and this is our second year doing this, um, our, I have four assistant principals that we would do a draft. And so we take the faculty list and the administrators sit in a room and these APs will literally do a draft. Yeah. And they pick their teams for the year. So our colors are purple and gold. So we have purple, gold, white, and black. Okay. And um, we started out this year uh, in the gym and uh, those teams competed e against each other in a big team building exercise. And, uh, you know, we did anything from the hula hoop to the egg on the spoon race to, you know, musical chairs to a three on three tournament. And then we carry that with us the rest of the year. So they might get, you know, like today, I could send out a remind message and say, um, the first five people on a team to go to, um, Max Graveyard, which is, you know, our past Bulldogs, um, and send me a picture of all of you together, we'll win first place. So they just never know when something's going to be thrown out there, but they also bring them together with a group of teachers that they normally wouldn't be that close to. Sure. Uh, because they're literally divided from all over the school. And you'll see teachers um, hear other teachers or see teachers do things in these competitions that they never thought they would do. And it just brings a whole new light um, of their personalities to each other. That's so cool. And so at the end of the year, what, like, what are we competing for? <laughs> it is um, kind of funny you asked that because <laughs> it's just a, uh, as of right now, we don't have an official trophy, but uh, Coach Messerly um, won the competition last year. Okay. And so his team decided to write their names on a solo cup. So right now we're passing that around. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so fun. I love it. And now you, you're on a team as well, right? I'm not. I actually um, do most of the judging and I'm the one oh, okay. that usually sets up all of the uh, activities that happen. So gotcha. uh, no, I, 
I stay impartial on this one. Um, I get to watch and I get to laugh a whole lot. Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. And so fun and so powerful too, because, you know, you hit on so many things there with, you know, the different departments and people just getting to interact. And again, we're creating these fun activities. Let's get to know each other on a personal level, as opposed to this professional, you know, the teacher only stuff that a lot of times we're, we're forced to do throughout the school year. So I absolutely love what you do there with that. Last question I want to talk to you about. You've got year one under your belt now as the principal of Smyrna High School. What are you most excited about for year two moving forward? We um, were fortunate enough that we applied to um, be a part of the Cambridge program. And the Cambridge program is, is definitely what I'm most excited about this year. This is an internationally recognized program. Um, it challenges students in a unique way uh, while preparing them for life beyond high school. Uh, these classes involve large amounts of class discussion, and then they merge that with course objectives and with an awareness of the world. So at the end of each Cambridge course, these students test for college credit. Um, those earning the what's called the ACE diploma, they'll have many doors open for them around the world um, yeah. when considering yeah. which college to attend. So it's really exciting that, um, you know, we're able to offer this program, um, the first in Rutherford County. And I cannot see, I just cannot wait to see what it does for our kids. That's awesome. And to be a trendsetter in Rutherford County, as you know, that's a big deal to be able to do that. And so for people that aren't familiar with the Cambridge program, what is that like an elective style class? Is it in a certain department? How does that work? So um, it is very similar to the International Baccalaureate program. Um, what we're offering right now, um, so the freshman year as they're coming in, they'll have a reading and research class. And so they actually are taught how to research efficiently and then how to write about it. And then we also have a Cambridge PE class. And from what I've been told, we may be the only second or third school in the nation to have that. So it's a mixture of not just physical education, but they dive into the psychology of team sports and what's the meaning behind successful teams and unsuccessful teams. So it's really cool. And then we're also offering a U.S. history and an upper level math and a Spanish class this year. So cool. How, you know, how many different opportunities can we give our kids to have these awesome experiences, right? And that's exactly what Correct. you're doing there with with for your kids and for your teachers too. Like you're just absolutely crushing it. And so I just want to say thank you for your time. I know how busy you are and there's a million things going on, especially at the beginning of the school year. And I just, I appreciate your energy. I appreciate your passion. I appreciate everything that you do for the world of education. Well, thank you. And I appreciate what you do and um, your excitement definitely feeds off onto the rest of us. So thank you for doing that. For sure. And you try to keep Caldwell in line for me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Guys, you've been listening to the Green Room podcast series. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, if you do me a huge favor, if you would rate it, subscribe to it, and then share it with a fellow educator that you think might enjoy it as well. Chase your dreams, kids. Mm -hmm.